1: Right now on fast, from crude climb to crude crush, WTI dropping close to 9% this week. With most of the slide coming today is a continued drop in energy prices, a major tailwind for stocks. Plus, the S&P ending the week down nearly 6%, its worst week since March of 2020. But in that sea of red, there have been some green shoots, a little Friday, traded or faded with some of the winners. And later, a call of the day, one Wall Street firm thinks Apple is still expensive. This, even though the tech giant has lost nearly a quarter of its value this quarter, we'll go inside the numbers coming up. I'm Melissa- This is Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq Market site. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Jeff Mills, and Steve Grasso. We start off with what has been a very rough week for the markets, While well, the S&P eked out again today. It's still finished down almost 6% since Monday, its worst five-day stretch since the start of the pandemic. The Dow clocking its 11th weekly loss in 12, the first time it has ever done that. And the longtime winners have suddenly dramatically become the losers, with oil prices plunging 10% this week. Energy stocks accounted for the 12 worst performers in the S&P. Koterra, EOG, Devon, among the names that were down more than 20% percent. All of these names hit 52-week highs just last week. So could breaking the energy fever become a tailwind for a rip higher? Tim, what do you say? It, it, it can be
2: part of it. I think today's rally was almost, uh, unfortunately, a, a recessionary rally in bonds. Lower interest rates was something that gave equities the, the sense that actually we're in a better place. Look at what rallied today. You saw consumer discretionary rally. You saw high multiple tech rally. Those, to me, are the most sensitive to the dynamics here. But there's no question today was about oil and 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 the the, the sell-off in oil prices, I get it. I'm, I'm not changing my tune. I think energy prices structurally have to stay higher. Uh, I think we all, well, I, I won't speak for everybody. I'll say, I think the Biden administration's approach to energy policy is part of the reason we got here. I think some of the charade this week around what we're going to do to oil companies and how we're going to uh, limit exports and whatnot, I don't think are the real story. I actually think we could probably solve some of this internally. But the structural dynamics and the China reopening dynamics and some of the things that I think have kept supply tight, um, even in a demand. Let's focus on demand. Recession today was kind of the story um, for the bond market. It could have been for oil, but it's really about supply. That's what's going to keep oil prices elevated here. And I do think you have an opportunity.
1: I guess it depends, Steve Grasso, on, on why you think oil prices are going down. And if it is a recession, that's sort of counterintuitive in terms of it being a tailwind for stocks.
3: Yeah, so I think it's a process. First of all, I'll echo Tim's words on the administration and their poor handling of the energy complex leading up to this way before we even had any of these issues. Uh, they were just festering. That's number one. Two, I think the energy prices are, the, those are the real-time data points, Melissa. If the market was reacting off of CPI, and maybe we are at peak inflation, but if we're worried about a recession, that's why the energy prices plummeted. If you have energy prices plummeted, it's a process. So you start to have money coming out of energy, coming out of the entire market, and then running back into the market as a whole. Not a one-day thing, not something that's going to happen tomorrow. I think the market is capable of bouncing, but I think the bounces will be short-term, and I think people are
1: digesting recession. This says Mr. Recession, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who thinks there's a recession in the cards. Uh, Courtney, you know, what do you make of this bear market bounce. Let's call it that uh, for now. And and this decline in energy.
4: Yeah, I think the decline in energy. I mean, it's had such a run up. I think seeing some sort of a pullback right now is really getting overshadowed with the over the other macroeconomic factors that are overweighting the markets right now. But ultimately, when you look at the fundamentals, the supply and demand constraint is not going to end, just to Tim's point here. And especially as we're not getting energy out of Russia, China's reopening. There's a lot more demand going in. Libyan oil
2: is off the market, too. It's another million barrels. Mm -hmm.
4: Exactly. Yeah, so I I would actually look to buy this dip in energy. I think that will likely continue to be your best-performing asset by the end of the year here. So just buying this dip is is a better opportunity than anything else.
1: Jeff, would you be, be with Courtney in that in terms of buying the dip of energy? But if you do think that there is going to be an economic slowdown, I mean, I guess you do have to believe that the supply side, uh, you know, the supply element of the energy equation is going to remain very tight.
5: That's been my story the entire time, because I've also been saying that we're going into a slowdown. The probability of a recession is high, but I've also been saying stick with the energy trade. Uh, we have pointed out numerous times that it was consensus. It was overbought. I think the XLE was, you know, 25, 30 percent above its 200 day moving average. And then this week, you kind of had this perfect storm of political headlines, a sell what you can environment. Um, and just for perspective, the XLE is still 10 percent above the 200 day. So you could certainly have more downside. But I agree. I mean, there's the no spare capacity issue stays with us. Uh, the China demand coming back online, I think, maybe offset some of the demand destruction you see either here in the U.S. or in Europe. And I, I think about a stock like ExxonMobil here trading at nine times forward. And I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago we had Paul Sankey on talking about energy and the oil markets. And he said, you know, ExxonMobil's forecast to have, I think, about $10 earnings per share next year. P.C. is upside up to $14. So for me, risk-reward, that potential upside at this valuation, I think you want to lean into the sell-off.
1: Here's another uh, dynamic, and that's a strong dollar. I mean, the Dixie move today was staggering. It's up 1% in a single day. Um, and part of that is Powell. Uh, his unconditional commitment to price stability is a de facto strong dollar policy, Tim.
2: And some of it is the absurdity of other central banks, I think. And this week we had the BOJ, who's still still targeting, you know, the short end of the curve in 25 basis points. They're so far behind. On inflation. For folks that don't know what the composition of the dollar basket is, it's it's about 60% euro, another 20% dollar yen, and the rest is smattering, including the Swiss franc and whatnot. But the most important thing is, is our Fed ahead of other central banks? That will be dollar policy. I'll just say this. Strong dollar is certainly a help to, to CPI. It's not going to be great for earnings, but for the headwinds that consumers face, uh, especially on import prices, it's actually very good. And, I, and I'll say this for stocks overall. look, Whenever we feel that CPI is really coming down, and I don't think it's really coming down, even on a day when we had this kind of a move in energy. Stocks are going to soar. And, and, and the, the problem is that if you look at the history of recessions and some of the inflation bouts we've had in our country, we've all gotten pretty good to look at net, 94, 95, 79, 80, uh, 80 through to 84, um, you, you can see that these bear market CPI dynamics, I was reading a great piece by Rich Ross at Evercore, right, where he points out the duration of, of that type of a market bear rally when it's a CPI-driven recession is probably 18 months. So that's the troubling thing about the market's move here. We all look at absolute levels of where the market is sold off. It just doesn't feel like we put in the timeline to actually say that we've had the kind of move, and I don't think we have, unfortunately. I think we're going to get these opportunities to trade this market, but uh, I don't think we're there.
1: Uh, Courtney, materials also saw a pretty stark uh, pullback over the past five days or so. Are you a buyer also of materials in the same way that you are of energy?
4: I am. I actually, I focus more on energy than materials. I do think you're starting to see some of that come down, which is really helpful on the inflation front. I think energy likely has a lot more of that supply-demand issue than some of your materials do. So I'd actually focus more on energy.
1: Yeah. Grasso?
3: Yeah, I, I think everything is coming down, Melissa. You're talking to Mr. R here. So I, I think that you're going to see an, anywhere from lumber to steel to oil. Remember my $65 a barrel oil by December of this year. I'm sticking with that. I think mm. you're going to see sub $100 barrel oil. And I think it's going to take the entire complex with it. And then we'll see where everything flushes out in the next month
2: or two. Sounds like buy equities then. I mean, we'll, we'll,
1: down 50 percent.
2: Well,
3: well, I think
1: it's going to be I, a... I, yeah, Steve, go ahead. I'm just curious because with, yeah. with that
2: view on commodities yeah. and inflation. Sure. I'm yeah, sure. I
3: think it's going to be a phase, as I said from the start. So I think you're going to see all of these commodities come in pretty hard. And then you're going to see people get really frightened, sit on their hands, and then digest it. And then I would say going into the back end of the year, you're going, remember, guys we have midterm elections coming strange things happen politicians say anything to get votes on both sides of the aisle so i think the back half of the year we're going to see a market rally i just think it's going to be very choppy for the next two or three months
1: okay so jeff mills this is where we play this game where we tell you what the outcome is going to be you tell us you know how, guess what the price action would be so this, this is tricky. scenario is true oil goes down 50 percent from where it is today Is that a good thing or a bad thing for equities? Because one could argue both sides very easily.
5: Yeah, I think generally speaking, it would be a bad thing for equities because it means we're going into an economic slowdown. And one of the things that the market has not digested at all yet is demand destruction and earnings revisions coming down. It's been all P.E. compression. That's kind of typical. If you go back to 2008, P.E.s came way way in, then earnings came down. Um, 2020, same thing. P.E.s came way in, then earnings came down. Earnings have not budged. So in that scenario, earnings are going to come down a lot, and the market's going to have to digest that. Just for a little bit of a nuanced take, I think in that market, uh, and maybe a little bit to Tim's point, where you want to be on a relative basis, I think that's when you continue to lean into growth, technology, etc. Because if there is any inkling that inflation is coming down and the Fed is going to back off that part of the market where P's have compressed more and where the earnings are somewhat more insulated from the cyclicality of the economy, I think that does relatively better.
1: All right. Well, despite the tough week, there are some stocks coming out as winners. But are these names worth a buy? Sounds like a question we can answer in a game. Another game. Oh, my gosh. Trade America's dividend. Yeah. All right, that's right. Traded or faded? Let's kick things off with FedEx shares are up more than 11% this week after the company announced it was raising its dividend. So, Courtney, trade it or fade it? I would trade this. Yeah, I
4: think the fact that consumers have really shifted more to e commerce than your traditional retail it's going to continue to benefit them. And I really like that they had such a strong increase in their dividend, which I think just really goes to show how strong their balance sheet is going forward. Grasso, what do you say?
3: I'm going to say fade it. If I think there's going to be recession, I think FedEx is going to do less business. And the last uh, the last two days, basically in the week, two days of it was a 13 percent rally. It did not even get to the March two hundred and forty two dollar highs. It faded before that level. So I would say wait on this one. You'll have better prices going forward. Fade it.
1: All right, let's move on to Boeing. Things started out rough, but the stock ended the week up nearly 8 percent. It was the only Dow stock to end the week in the green. So, Tim, what do you say?
2: I'm going to trade it. So let's play the game as we're supposed to play it. I, I'm not, it's not time to do cartwheels with Boeing. I, I will say the strength that we have and have heard and the updates out of the airline sector are very important for Boeing. But again, uh, max certification, both in China uh, and the continued development of the order book. They're not going to be doing anything very sexy in the in the wide bodies and being able to compete with 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 Airbus. Um, but maybe we got a double bottom at
5: 115. I like Boeing here, but I liked it a lot higher.
1: Jeff Mills, Boeing.
5: Yeah, I wouldn't take a whole lot of comfort. I think it's sort of this oversold bounce. I don't know that you're going to get a consistent move to the upside. I don't think I've ever traded Boeing on this show. I'm not going to start today. I just think the the company needs to show me a lot more here. I think recession risk is bad. Debt levels too high. Uh, Issues and delays with production. It's leading to higher costs and margin pressure. It's just sort of one problem after the next. Generally poor execution. But I will say if it does get to 100, I'd maybe play for a trade there.
1: All right, and uh, let's get to Oracle giving up some of its gains after a solid earnings report, but it is still up for the week. So, Jeff, Trader or Fade Oracle.
5: Yeah, so this is a stock we like. I've sort of been talking about that defensive technology play, and I think this is one of them. And then you have cloud for some upside. I think they had another solid quarter, 20% growth in cloud, uh, double digit growth for their core business, and management is saying that cloud's going to accelerate. If you look out to that growth in 2023, they're talking about 30% growth there. I like the Cerner acquisition. They're talking about healthcare eventually being the biggest part of their business. There is a huge market there, there's a huge demand there for technology. I like the way that they're positioning for that. Uh, And I think at less than 13 times forward, uh, you have some pretty good upside here.
1: Steve? I'm
5: going to say this
3: is fade. It hasn't been so safe. It's down 22% year to date. I think estimates were too low. The stock popped on on earnings 10%. It's already given back half of that. It's been in a declining trend line for most of the year. I think it's going to stay that way,
2: Fade.
1: All right. Finally, JD.com reportedly looking to get into food delivery, closing out the week up 6%. Ambassador, trade it or fade it.
2: Yeah, I don't think this food delivery story is the story. I think the story this week was also uh, some more support for the Chinese tech sector from the Chinese government. Some sense that Chinese stocks are oversold. I know we've said so much negative about the China economy, China equities. uh, I think a lot of strategists out there actually think are a buy here. I do think that the China Internet sector can be bought.
1: Courtney.
4: Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think China continuing to reopen is going to benefit them. And I, I actually do like that they're getting into this food delivery. It's a whole new revenue stream they haven't had before.
1: Up next, Apple's dropped 26% this year. And one major firm says you might want to wait a bit longer before hitting that buy button. Find out why right after the break. And this stock may be a steal for investors. A look at the name trying to stage a rebound as we head into the weekend. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Fast Money's back into... Welcome back to Fast Money, a call of the day on Apple. Bernstein warning the stock still looks expensive despite a 26% drop this year. Analysts there are saying the company might not be prepared for a potential recession. Um, Tim, you've been calling for Apple to go lower. I just spoke with Chris Verone over at Stratégus uh, on Verone. the Closing yeah. Bell program. Yep, know that one he too. He said Apple to 100. It, it, look,
2: that's the next place on the charts. And I said 125. I don't think you even do anything with Apple until you get there. And, and I'll, I'll go back and remind folks that Apple was a $78 stock pre-COVID. Um, so in a world where we're pricing a lot of stocks back into that context, um, look at the charts and do what you want. But this Bernstein note was interesting because they were critical of Apple's uh, smaller or less than 10 percent recurring revenue stream. And, and yet we've talked so much about earnings uh, related to the services business as being part of the reason that the company uh, has re-rated. What I, I love is they use the term Apple has over-earned um, in the last, so I, to well, me, that's an, forward, right? it's, it's, it's <laughs> another forward. way of saying they totally pulled forward sales, but it's a nice way. I, I haven't heard over-earned before, but they absolutely over-earned. That's what worries me. I've talked about a demand warning from Apple. I want to get it. I think we need it.
0: Yeah.
4: Courtney. Yeah, I agree with this. I'm definitely not a buyer on Apple right now. I think it has had a healthy pullback, which is great, but it is still really expensive compared to a lot of its peers. And they do still have a lot of you're A lot of services sectors, which is great, but it is not a majority of their business right now. And people aren't necessarily going to be out spending buying new iPhones. If we're, inflation's higher, we're going to have to choose. Are you going to go on, buy an iPhone or go on a trip? And people are going to go on that trip right now. And I do think that can continue to affect them.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have seen that shift, right, in consumer spending to services mm-hmm. over goods, Jeff. So why should Apple be immune? I think that's ultimately at the core of, of Bernstein's argument.
5: Yeah, we've been talking about that shift in spending preferences for quite some time. And the stock is still trading at a four point P.E. premium to its 10 year average. It it doesn't necessarily have to get back to that average, but there hasn't been any earnings adjustment yet. And I think that's what we're talking about. And that lack of recurring revenue means that they're vulnerable to consumption, which I think we all believe is going to slow down here over the next couple of quarters. So, you know, say EPS ultimately drops 10 percent. There's finally an adjustment here. Even if the P.E. stays where it is at a little bit over 20 times, that's $119 on the stock. And, and that's a pretty rosy scenario uh, if the P.E. stays at, you know, twenty twenty point five 20.5 times. So could it easily get to 100? Sure. Just doing that sort of back of the envelope math.
1: do you see uh, Verone's, you know, Apple to 100, Jeff's Apple to, you know, 119 or maybe even lower.
3: Yeah, Verone's uh, level brings you back to July 2020. I believe, or thereabouts, where it had that big push higher. But, but as, I, as I've said, when people sell this market on a flush, they sell their Apples, not their Zooms. That's how you know you're getting close to a bottom. I think you start flirting with that $100 level on Apple, it gets everyone's attention. Longer term, I still own the stock. Longer term, I'm still bullish. We haven't heard about AR or VR there. I think the sky is rosy, or is, did I mix a metaphor there? I think yeah. you can be the first ha- have uh, better days ahead, but I <laughs> but I think you have to dip to 100. So I agree with uh, Mr. Verone.
1: All right. Coming up, pick your bounce, but keep control of the ball. We're laying out some portfolio protection plays on options action. But first, speaking of bounces, we'll dive into a struggling stock regaining its footing today. Can it last? And throughout June, we are celebrating Pride Month. Here's CNBC video editor, Justin Familari.
2: I identify as a transgender man. But I live so closeted in this process for so long. It's a different world today, you know, where being transgender is extremely visible. When I did this process, that was not the case. You know, the goal was to transition and to just be part of society. And I'm so glad that that's changed because it's given me the freedom to
0: be who I am.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money Shares. The U.S. Steel soaring as much as 6% today after the company raised its Q2 guidance on a forecast for strong demand. The stock ended the day up a percent and a half. Steve Gross, I feel like there should be a new game. What would Steve Grasso say about a stock since he's Mr. Recession? I'm not quite sure what you say about U.S. Steel.
3: Well, if you go back to March, uh, the stock was trading at o- almost $39. And if you look at the recent low or the, where the stock is trading now, it's been cut by 50%. So I can't get excited about a little bounce uh, in the name. It's, on, it's experiencing a declining trend line. You don't buy steel stocks during a recession. So I'm, I'm going to say that demand is going to be cut. So this little blip is a little blip. People might have gotten out of it. I'm sure other people will say China's coming back online and things are looking a little bit better. For me, I think the worst is yet to come for a host of stocks and steel is one
2: of them. Tim. Notice how Mr. Recession asserted recession. <laughs> now, Steve, Steve's right uh, on a lot of things he just said, and I think steel companies, like some other metals and mining companies, have priced in not necessarily just a recession, which I think is part of it. But I, in steel, I'm very worried about China's supply coming online. So uh, I, China demand is one thing; China supply is what had U.S. steel trading back at five bucks back in the day. So um, I think the balance sheet's extraordinary. I actually have a position here. Um, I had downsized it. I think. He actually can nibble, but the free cash flow and the profitability of their business right now is extraordinary.
1: Can we back up for just a second? You're worried about China supply coming back online. So now China lockdowns are over, so the supply will come back on, but you still have a position in the stock, even though it could see some pressure.
2: Yeah, so China's supply, it never went offline, so maybe I should restate it. China's been pumping away. Their steel smelters have been booming. Iron ore prices are really high. Um, It's been a great time to be a steel producer in this world, um, even when demand is falling down. So China demand for their own steel, not so much. China flooding the world with their steel, which they've done countless times Mm -hmm. is what worries me Yeah,
4: and just to kind of play devil's advocate it's not just them who's coming out but also their competitors who are saying that even if steel prices come down there's so much demand towards the industry they're really not worried about it and they do have such strong balance sheets to weather through even if there is a recession i think they can get through a lot of these things so i actually want to come to this more optimistically um i'm actually i think it's a good opportunity to look at all
1: right time for the final trade let's go around the horn jeff mills
5: all right, I'm going to lean into that Oracle, traded or faded. I think you want to buy it here. I do think it's a defensive way to play technology. I like the cloud business. I like what they're doing with the Cerner Acquisition Oracle.
1: Steve Brasso.
3: So
5: I, I don't
1: want to
3: buy anything. Uh, unfortunately, I, I have, <laughs> I, and I own a lot of things. But, you but my, to my sell uh, a lot of trade things. is going no? to be... Yeah, but, you know, I'm a longer-term investor, so I do pick around the edges, but uh, and I sell around the edges, but I have long-term core positions. XLE is what I want to be a seller of. The, the, the stock, or the ETF, I should say, is up over 30% for the year after doing nothing for years and years on end. Take profits at XLE and take profits in energy as a whole.
1: Courtney Garcia. I'm actually going to come
4: with the exact opposite. I'm going to talk about Exxon. I think energy is going to continue to do well. Buy on this bounce,
1: this dip right now. It's going to be opportunity. Tim.
2: Now, FedEx was a bright spot this week, and I think the Fred Smith retirement means this company's run better. FedEx.
1: That does it for us here on Fast Money. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, including the ones on our Fast Money panel. Don't go anywhere. Meantime, Options Action is up next.